hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Smashing Skull Sessions. Um, this week I want to bring in something a little bit unique and a little bit different. Um, I suppose it's almost more of a tricast than a podcast. I have three bands joining me this week. Uh, three bands I've been a huge fan of. Love their music. They're all within the post-rock, post-metal, do-metal genres. Um, I have James Wetmore from The Sea of Dark. I have Clayton Bartholomew from Mountaineer. And I have Thomas Brenneman from Still Motions. All US-based, all doing very, very well at the moment. So guys, thanks so much for coming onto the show. Really appreciate your time. Appreciate you having us. Yeah. So I, I'm just trying to work out where I start here. Congratulations, obviously, on your albums. James, Of Death, Of Love, which came out in January. How is that being re- how has it been received since and it came we, out? We thought like five people would listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> so anything beyond that was just awesome. And it's, it's, it's taken off, is it? Is yeah. It, is it, it's been good for you? Oh, yeah. Good feedback. We get messages from all over the place asking us to tour. And we're Brilliant. like... But how? <laughs> Poland and yeah, you name it. Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of the post-rock scene, lads, isn't it? It's, it's worldwide. Like it's, it's, a, it's a close-knit community, but it's everywhere. It's scattered across the world. Like, you know, it's mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Amazing. I suppose, Thomas, your album is due out on the 24th, as I said. Synthesis. Yeah. Did I pronounce that correct? What's is that? It, Synthesis is the name of the album? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, coming out in, yeah, two weeks from today. And are you happy with what you've put down? Are you, are I'm extremely you excited. Yeah, I'm extremely excited. It's, uh, it's been a really long process. Um, yeah. You know, we, were, we actually recorded it in April of last year. Okay. So it's been, it's been sitting around for a minute. You know, there's been, um, we ended up re-signing with post-record, you know, post-recordings and then. That's right. Um, you know, just the vinyl issue right now is mm-hmm. just super backed up. So that's, you know, the vinyl has been in the works for like seven months and, uh, we didn't want to release it, you know, with a huge wait time for the vinyl. So we just kind of pushed the release date back. I get to you. Kinda I get you. More, that, is, so. that is, that does seem to be an issue at the moment, doesn't it? The whole vinyl backlog. It's crazy. Yeah. What about yourselves, Clayton? The album was, le- was released back in February, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was, yeah, towards the end of February. Getting up to ghost, um, yeah. How has that been received? I think it did all right. I, yeah, I, I, we got good feedback. Um, I, think, I think it done better than all right, didn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. It I done mean, very well. You know, it, it done very yeah, well yeah. over here anyway, whatever about the States, but in the UK and Ireland, it's, it's got huge, huge feedback. Yeah, everyone seems to be yeah, buzzing yeah. about it. That's and nice to hear. And obviously, bloodletting, the album that came up before it was definitely a stepping stone, really, wasn't it? That was a big album fee. I, th- I think so, yeah. 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 And both albums uh, released during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, half of our, and this our uh, most recent one is our fourth record. So half of our material has come out during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't tour, obviously. And I mean, <laughs> We had pretty big plans to tour during the bloodletting release. And yeah. of course that got scratched. Um, I think we're going to do some stuff. We've got a few shows to announce coming mm-hmm. up in the summer here and we'll do some stateside stuff, but yeah, it's killed things in it. The last two years, I mean, the whole COVID thing, I mean, you survive on touring, like basically that's what, that's your bread and butter lads, isn't it? So how have you managed to fucking get through the last two years? Is it 
basically studio work, recording, recording? Yeah. I mean, for a well, while for us, uh, I mean, we still got together fairly often during the pandemic and, mm. and just wrote, um, wrote that whole, this most recent record, you know, during yeah. the pandemic and yeah. it was written and we weren't practicing, you know, every week, but okay. periodically and just kind of writing at home and sharing stuff. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we all have day jobs obviously. And unfortunately we all kept our day jobs through the, the good, pandemic. Good, good. Um, yeah. Uh, we in the same boat, James, same idea, same problems, should we say? Yeah, we're lucky because we all kind of live within like a 20-minute drive from each other. Yeah. And there's six of us in the band, so if one or two can't make it, we can still practice. I get you, I get you. So we practice pretty much every week unless somebody had COVID or something or was in contact with somebody with COVID. Yeah, and was your latest album recorded during COVID or had you a lot of it done beforehand? We just delayed we wrote some new songs that mm. ended up on the album, <clears throat> but a lot of those songs were like partially written pre COVID. Yeah. And then we just decided to finish them up and add some new ones and then put all those together on the album. Yeah. I got you. And Thomas, same idea, I suppose, is it? Yeah. I mean, uh, so mirrors had been recorded. Um, I think we recorded it December, 2019. Mm. Um, and then it was, it released, literally like right as everything in the States shut down. So like literally the, the, we had our release show scheduled for here in Phoenix. Uh, you know, it was a sold out show. It was supposed to be a sold out show. And, uh, they, the venue that we were having it at was like, we're going to hold off. We're going to see, you know, we're not going to refund tickets yet or cancel the show. And literally two days before the show, Hmm. I mean, Arizona got shut down completely. So it was like, at that point we had missed it by two days and like, I mean, you know, can't, can't, can't blame them. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were just kind of lucky enough to, uh, you know, the record did really well. Uh, Mm. we sold a lot of vinyl. Um, you know, we sold out of two pressings of it and it was, I guess, you know, obviously financially that kind of kept, kept the ball rolling and then allowed us to ultimately get back in the studio and, you know, we recorded a single and then we jumped back into record synthesis, you know, last year. So it's, we, we pretty much survived off of just the vinyl sales really. So you're basically your merchandise and your vinyls is what's keeping you ticking over, is it? Yeah. And same for yourselves, lads. Yeah. Clayton and James, same fucking idea. No vinyl sales no for vinyl, us. No vinyl yet. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. We hope that somebody will do like a repress or something, but that'll be maybe on the next one. Yeah. I Clayton, I mean, records, you have to sell them. You have to make money somehow. Like, wouldn't you? That, that's, that's. Yeah. Our vinyl sold out, bloodletting sold out. And I think there may be a few copies left of the newer one, but I think yeah. they mostly went. So that was good. I mean, we're on a, we're on a label um, and they have to make their money back. And so that's, I'm more concerned with that, like making sure those guys are square. Yeah. They're the ones investing, investing their money into it. And if we see a little bit out of it, that's fine. But, um, and just out of curiosity, Kate, on that one, the t-shirts now, when we say other merchandise, take away the vinyl, for instance, is that solely for yourselves then? Or is that go through your, that's, that's no, that'd be, that's all us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, without playing shows, I, I mean, I guess we don't, we're not very good at marketing like ourselves or, you know, <laughs> promoting our merchandise and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty sporadic with like our social media stuff. And so we could do better about that, but 
um, now that we're playing shows again, um, we've got shirts and things like yeah. that. So we're, yeah. we're selling a little bit. You have to, like, don't you? You have to sell gear. That's the that's the way to, to get from show to show, basically, Les, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit yeah, much. I mean, it's not all about, it's, it's definitely not about making money. I mean, you're not, you're not in this game to make money. Like, this is all about the love of the music, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, no one's disagreed with that question anyway. Nope. No. Come here. So look, I just go through your albums there. Uh, James, the concept behind of Death of Love and the artwork, did, did it correspond or what, what was the thinking behind it all? Yeah. Um, of Death of Love, like, we've had a lot of friends that have passed in uh-huh. Omaha, like that are in our kind of close circle from drug overdoses, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. We just kind of wanted to like write a healing process. Huh. So it sort of takes you through the pain from finding out someone has passed all the way through okay. recovery. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's kind of what we wanted to convey. You can take from it, whatever you want. Yeah. Music is subjective. It's very subjective. And I suppose when you don't have lyrics, it's even yeah. more subjective, isn't yeah. it? Especially instrumental music. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But you can't, you, you take what you want from it. I mean, everybody's in a different place mentally. Like, and if you can take something from your music, so be it, you know, and you Clayton, what about your album? The idea behind giving up the ghost and the, the title even. Yeah. I mean, well, I think all of our records are about that same kind of cathartic, uh, dealing with people passing and mm. things like that. It's a pretty common theme, I guess, in the genre. Yeah. But um, this one in, in particular, there's like a lot of songs that uh, our vocalist Miguel wrote um, lyrically that are about, I mean, he lost his dad to COVID and um, there, okay. there have been a few. So there's some very personal stuff on yeah. there that I think yeah. we included and uh, just his way of working through it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of our albums are a little, kind of thematic but loosely based on yeah. on some overarching theme and i get you yeah no different yeah and what about you thomas even just go to mirrors before we even talk about synthesis yeah i, I mean yeah we can go i guess go through both um i mean mirrors was a uh kind of like just like a self-reflection if uh-huh. you will um it was kind of like each song i wouldn't say that like you know, there was a story being told across the entire record, but it was each song had its own kind of theme of like self-reflection. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like looking inwards and, you know, it was just kind of like the emotions that were, you know, coming out at the time. So, um, you know, with synthesis, you know, I would say very similar to James, you know, it's kind of, uh, I mean, we wrote it, I literally started writing it, um, pretty much. So, I mean, the day that Phoenix got shut down, you know, for the, for the pandemic, uh, I got laid off my job of like eight years. Uh, ultimately it was kind of like, uh, I, I started writing the record that day. The first song was welcome oblivion. It's like very hard hitting at the beginning, just kind of like angry and aggressive. Um, but I do feel that that song specifically kind of ties up like the theme of the entire record, you know, it wasn't just me losing my job. Like we had, you know, we had a death of like one of our, one of our band members lost a family member to COVID. Uh, one of our other family members lost, you know, or one of our other band members lost a family member to, uh, to cancer, um, lost actually two family members. Um, 
So, I mean, there's like a lot of pain and just, yeah. you know, a lot of anger and, you know, a lot of emotions that just kind of tied into all of that. Um, but it was really kind of, uh, I don't know. Um, for me personally, it was kind of like, you know, well, yeah, this, this pandemic happened, all the deaths happened, you know, the, for me personally, like the pandemic actually opened up a lot of opportunity, you know, um, you know, both personally, professionally, just like all sorts of different things. Okay. So it's kind of this, this, this view, this like eagle eye view, I guess, of like, you know, going through something really difficult, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's death in your family and um, like the, the mourning process, the grief that comes with that through to like, um, you know, everything kind of like looking upwards, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it, there's a seems to be an underlying theme, doesn't there, across everybody's story there with their latest albums. And I, even other bands I've been speaking to, it's the same thing. Like, I mean, it's it was a pretty fucking dark time, like the last couple of years, isn't it? You know, there's, there's no getting away from it, I suppose. And when you're, when you're an artist and you're writing about, you know, when you're writing music, it's, it's hard not to let that seep into your song and into your, into your ideas, is it? For sure. Yeah. I was also going to ask you there, lads, again, some, I don't know, do, do we all do this or not, but a lot of bands have videos for their tracks that they're releasing. Like, did you have one actually for your latest track, Thomas? Did you do a video for Oblivion? Yeah, we had one for Welcome Oblivion. Is it needed? Do you need to release a video? Do you think is it still a, a need for that? I mean, honestly, I feel like, um, I feel like the music video aspect of things is kind of a dead art. Um, well, I think it's great. I think content is what is important and music video is just an aspect of that content. Yeah. Right. So ultimately do music videos matter? I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's any different than like throwing together some random studio footage and putting it out there. Yeah. Um, but it's just something to give people, you know, as content, like a look into the band you know, a different way to interact with the song versus just listening to it. But yeah, I guess I just kind of view it as just extra content, really. Yeah. What would you think, Clayton and James? What was what's your ideas on videos and releasing videos with your tracks? Oh, we, we still do. Um, um, you want me to go, James? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. We still do them, and it's mostly, I mean, it's, it's PR content. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's content, but it's stuff for the publicist to, you know, it's just one more thing for people to write about and talk about and mm-hmm. share during an album cycle or what it, an album cycle for band our size is pretty limited. You know, it's a three okay. month window or so, but um, yeah, I mean, it's people still look at YouTube and check stuff out. And I think like having the videos kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know about like lyric videos and things like that. Or I think those are pretty dead, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. James, James, uh, we didn't really have any actual music videos per se. We just have kind of the album art and tracks listing, but yeah, we, <clears throat> we go through where post rock dwells with Ronnie. He's super awesome guy mm. and loves the scene. And that gave us the potential to reach a lot more people. I think via YouTube than would have just found out it found out about it organically. Yeah. So I think he has like 200,000 followers or something like that. So it's just more eyes. I think, and ears that can eventually stumble upon your album. 
It is. And as you said, where Post Rock Dwellers is definitely a noted because he does so many compilations. You know, there's, you just play something away and you're listening to it in the background and it's quick check. Who was that? What band was yep. that? Yep. Have, yep. You, exactly. have you both been on it, Clayton and Thomas? Have you both been on where Post Rock Dwellers yet? Have you had premiered? I think yep. you have, Thomas, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they premiered every single leading up into Mirrors and then they premiered Mirrors. Yeah. And then, um, they just premiered the second single off synthesis mm-hmm. like two weeks ago. And then they're doing the actual premiere of synthesis as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. And Clayton, have you met Ronnie or have you dealt with where, where post rock dwells? No, I, I'm not sure. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't say you've seen it on YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But you haven't. So I don't it. know if he's covered us or not. I'd have to look into it. You should yeah. just reach out. I mean, he is like, uh, he is a resource for sure. <laughs> yeah. A resource to have. Uh, like James said, you know, 200,000 plus subscribers to the YouTube channel. And like, you know, he posts like even singles do well. They'll get like thousands of views, but albums do like incredibly well. Mm-hmm. You'll get, you know, you see some bands on there have like hundreds of thousands of views on their album yeah. stream mm-hmm. on, on YouTube. So solid. Like it has cool. to it has to help, doesn't it? In every sure. every opportunity possible you take it. Like honestly, he's helped more than like I mean, he's gotten more visual on still motions than like any other PR aspect we've ever taken. Mm. So like it's night and day. Night and day. And to add the fact that he's one of the coolest and fucking nicest guys you'll he's, ever meet, like Oh yeah. He's <laughs> awesome. I love yeah. that guy. I'd say the guy's just always smiling. He's always in good form. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> Going on to your albums there, as the last, your, your latest releases, I suppose it's, it's a post-rock and it's a post-metal thing, like, but melody is a big, has a huge part to play in post-rock and post-metal. Give or take lyrics. Now, you know, you're, you've lyrics also, you know, um, Clayton, granted, like, but is, is it a cornerstone of your sound? Do you sort of, I don't know how I describe this, do you, do you go into the studio trying to be melodic or is that just where the music goes for me uh, um, you, yeah oh yeah I, I i don't think we can help it i, yeah. I just think that kind of what comes out um i mean now we're, we're a six piece now and so we've got three guitar players we're all writers um but we're all fairly have melodic leanings mm-hmm. um we and and we can try it. We can say, oh, let's let's try to write a really heavy record or something like that. And um, it just ends up being what it is, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. We're suckers for um, me, especially. I'm a, I'm a sucker for melody and a catchy. I, I like you know catchy stuff, but disguised in and everything uh, else. I, I and, get you. Yeah, just layered within other songs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the, the hooks and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Oh, gee, that's. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, I don't know, I guess that's just kind of like stylistically, like where I come from, like how just like how I've always kind of played guitar. Um, mm. I come from more of like, a, you know, previous to Still Motions, uh, I've played in other bands, various different styles of music and I've always played like just lead guitar, you know? Yeah. Um, so very melodic, but now trying to... Um, you know, incorporate that into different chord structures and everything like that. And with mm-hmm. instrumental music, like, I just feel like you have, there has, melody is kind of like the cornerstone of any song, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, whether that's vocally or like instrumentally, I feel like there needs to be 
a strong melody, a strong hook maybe. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's kind of kind of the foundation of how I write. You know, yeah. I basically like will honestly sit down at a piano for the most part and figure out a melody, and then it builds into the rest of the song from there. Yeah, like you said, Thomas. Even Welcome Oblivion, Welcome Oblivion, isn't it? Yeah, it kicks off as a heavy, heavy track. And when I first heard it, I said, "Fuck it, this isn't like mirrors. <laughs> this is something new." Like you know. Yeah. But it does find this groove and it does find that yeah. that, that melodic um, pathway. Like, isn't it? It's it's just part of the. It's just part of you, I suppose. Really, isn't it? Yeah. Your sound. Are you, you're the same, James. I suppose you don't go in purposely trying to find this this amazing hook that will just land a great track. It's just how the song goes. Yeah, it just starts as a riff usually. Yeah. You got a good riff, and then we all just sit and we got like everybody else or. Like <clears throat> Mountaineer, we got three guitars, so we'll just sit and have like a guitars only practice and come up with a backbone and then we'll kind of bring everybody else in or the bass and drums will bring us something and then mm-hmm. we'll work that. So I, yeah, I, we don't we don't go in like this song has to be so sad or whatever it is, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like we just kinda like go wherever the song takes us. Yeah, I get you. And is everybody involved in the songwriting musically and lyrically yeah. between y'all? Yeah. Does everybody play a part? Yep. Yeah, I think um, Mirrors was a little bit of a different process. Um, I honestly started writing Mirrors by myself in my home studio mm. uh, before I had a band. So it was like kind of just like a one-man project when I first started. And then um, our drummer reached out and was like, I've known him forever um, through different projects but he reached out and was like, I want to play on this. You know, I had posted a little sound clip or something and uh, we we formed the band, but I had already recorded the entire record. So it was okay. just me. It was me and the drummer in the studio. That was it. Um, whereas, you know, synthesis was a full band, like, yeah. Yeah. So, I gotcha. We were similar too with Mountaineer. It started out, we've done four records. The first two were just me and the singer and a, and a drummer. And so I kind of wrote everything on those first two records. Mm. And then we expanded and the, the guys from Dogma, if you're familiar with those guys, yeah, yeah. a couple of those guys joined the band. Yeah. Um, Ron, I forget what label anyway. Um, and those guys brought a lot. So the last two records we've written, like gotten into a room together and, and like hashed out songs that way, as opposed to, you know, writing on Pro Tools mm-hmm. or something at home. So, so the guys from Dakma are on giving up the ghost. Blood, on it. Yeah, giving up the ghost and bloodletting. Yep, I'm bloodletting. Wow, I did not ask. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. nice to know. Nice to know. Yep. I suppose before we go any further, lads, I'm just going to give everybody a taster of your of your sound and of your music. So I'm going to play a track here from Mountaineer, which is When the Soul Sleeps. Lucy the Darks will be We Shall Meet and Part No More, and Still Motions will be. Obviously, Welcome Oblivion, which is one of my favorite tracks of the year.
So there you go, everybody. There's a taster of what I've been listening to for the last couple of months. That is Mountaineer. That is Lucy the Dark and Still Motions, three fantastic post-rock, post-metal bands that you have to listen to. So guys, let's move away from the studio albums and just maybe to go into the bit of the live scene at the moment. I take it you're all touring at the moment. Or are you all touring? James, might as well start with you. We just went on a little run a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But we're back home now. To... It was awesome. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine do you want to drop some, <clears throat> do you want some name dropping done do you want to tell me who you toured with uh, we um, went with this band from Omaha they're called Fontenelle okay and they're phenomenal if you get a chance check them out they're really really good they're about to be dropping some new stuff this year okay and what about the Caspian thing that was going on last week was it yeah well that was Wednesday night Mad. Caspian and Arms and Sleepers and that was just a fucking unreal <laughs> show it was amazing it's one that show yeah, best show with this band by far. And yeah, so, no offense, no offense, by the way, to anybody else, but it was just it was yeah, Caspian. Caspian and, is. I saw them right before they hit Phoenix. I think the month before the shutdown in Phoenix, and I saw it was one of the best live shows I've ever seen. It was the loudest live show I've ever seen. I felt dude. like I got my face pummeled in over the course of an hour, you know, just, I walked out of there and just like, just like, what just happened? Yes. <laughs> but it was so good. So good. They're one of those bands, Thomas, aren't they? Yeah. I think everybody has to witness Caspian at some stage. Yeah. And they're, they're the nicest guys that you'll ever meet. Yeah. They'll talk to you for an hour about anything you want to talk about. They're super nice and they're really, really supportive. Go how, see those guys. How many shows did you do with them, uh, James? Was it just two nights, just, was it? Just, just the one. Oh, the one night? Yeah, they were, they were doing like a six-show run. Okay. So they did us, and then I think their last show of the tour was Denver at Meow Wolf, which is unreal. I wish I could have followed along to see that one. Yeah. And how, how did it come about? How did you get on board for that, uh, for that gig? We have promoters locally that we know, and kind of somebody dropped us a little feeler, and we asked about it, and I don't know if they asked caspian's touring guys or what okay. like their touring agent to see if we get put on it or whatever but yeah they came back to us and told us that we were on it so it happened that's the main thing it happened yeah yeah it happened and it was awesome brilliant brilliant kate muddy up to are you touring uh we've got shows we've got like four shows coming up in well not coming up i guess it's august probably with okay. destroy judas destroy judas is a band from la um yeah. and a band called uh Acoria from um near Tahoe or Reno. Okay. So it's the three bands and we're gonna do each of our hometowns, but it's a kind of just a California only thing. Yeah. And then that's kind of all we have planned for this year. Um next year we're gonna try and do a little bit more. Maybe do I don't know. Maybe we'll do all the whole US. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. What about, we'll fest- what about festivals, uh, Caitlin? Were you not sort of... We're open to it, yeah. Um, my buddy runs Northwest Terror Fest, and I'm always... I always want to ask him, but I don't want to be that guy that's like, <laughs> you know, is, that, me is there any chance he watches this, no? We could see if he gets yeah, to... Maybe, it, maybe. Gets to yeah, the subtle kind of... <laughs> yeah. Shunt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the last show we did, I think the last show we did right before the shutdown was with Spotlights in San Francisco, and that nice. was that was a good show. Yeah, that was fun. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. How about you, Thomas? Are you are you obviously going to be touring synthesis anyway? That's the plan, is it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah. I think it's it's been kind of an interesting ride. Um, you know, we our CD release, like our first show, got canceled because of because of COVID, and then 
um, Phoenix didn't see live music for a really long time. You know, venues were shut down for a really long time. So, um, we ended up playing our, we did, we did a live stream event from a venue, um, during, during the pandemic on where it was like one of the, where post rock dwells, like, you know, live stream sessions. Um, and then we, we, played our first show just this past October, you know? So it was like, we went like over a year of, you know, mirrors being out to like, you know, just not playing until October. So, um, we, you know, our, our drummer had a baby in December. Um, and like, is, you know, for the first part of the year, just kind of was like, you know, getting the feel of having a, a, you know, a new baby. And, uh, so we weren't, we weren't playing or really touring or anything. Um, took about like two months off really to kind of let him settle. Yeah, um, yeah. but I'd say if he, if he has his way, Thomas, he'll be touring for the next year. <laughs> to, to that child grows up a small bit yeah, yeah. and come home yeah, and saw all the hard work done. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, we're working on putting together, uh, a show for the release of synthesis. Um, unfortunately it's going to be pushed back from the actual release just because the local scene here in Phoenix is just kind of a, it's kind of crazy right now. Um, so we're looking at, you know, later this summer, we're going to have like a release show, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's talks of, uh, you know, some potential, some potential road dates like later this year, early next. So. Yeah. You're sort of touching on one of the questions I was going to ask there, because I was wondering how you get together with bands, you know, like you get two or three bands together and you tour together. Obviously, it's probably makes more financial sense, I suppose, for three bands to hook up. Like, but am I right in saying that, or do you prefer to go about your own business, do your own thing, and maybe pick up a local band as you're in the area? Personally, I think it it definitely makes sense to at least pick up like one other band that you're going on the road with. Mm. Um, you know, and maybe pick up like a local or something like that along the way. That's going to help drive some, especially for bands that are like just starting touring. Obviously, too, it's always great to have like that local. Yeah. you know, on the show, because it just helps bring some, some people to the, to mm. your out of state shows, if you will. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, usually like, at least for, you know, for posts, you know, post recordings has been cool with like setting the bands up together and like getting them to like interact with each other and just kind of be like, Hey, we're going on the road these days. It's like, you guys, can you help us book some shows in your town and like maybe jump on a few of the dates? So it's, it's cool. Like there's talks okay. of, you know, some of the bands joining up for little runs here and there. Do you feel the same lads, James and uh, Clayton, same idea? Would you rather sort of. Yeah. You definitely bring somebody with you that, you know, and yeah. you get along that you can get along well with. Yeah. And you can yeah. have fun with, <laughs> um, and that, that are good. Okay. Um, <laughs> Takes a few yeah, boxes. Yeah. You definitely have to have locals on it though. Cause you got to get that draw. There's no point in going on tour if you're going to play with 10 people there that don't know you, especially like you said, when you're just getting started, cause we're just getting started. Like a lot of people don't know who we are still. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have somebody who's kind of no, well known in the scene there yeah, to kind yeah. of help draw. And then they see you and hopefully then when you come back, they'll recognize the name and they'll be there. I so. gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. All the think? touring I've done, all the touring I've done, uh, all the bands I've been involved with, it's mostly all just been DIY touring and it's, just a network of people who can set up shows in certain areas and you kind of plan your routing and you ask the bands that are probably the most popular in that area. And mm. if they'll, if they'll play with you and, um, and if you're lucky, you know, they say yes. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, 
it's always cool to go out with a band that you like and and that actually can draw because I, I mean you know same boat it's it's hard to get people out to shows mm. especially when it's not your you know if it's your local market and people know you and and all that that's one thing but if i go to omaha or if mountaineer tries to play omaha we're going to be calling you james uh, Hell yeah <laughs> come on through man anytime <laughs> yeah we'll yeah, get yeah. But there you go. That's the networking here. Now we should be making the most of it. Yeah, you should be sorting yeah. something out. But even <laughs> even when you play at home, lads, in your own hometowns, like I mean, what type of draw are you getting? I mean, how how many people are turning up to these shows? Depends on the day. Literally depends. Really on does. The day. Yeah. Really does. For our CD release, I think we sold four hundred plus tickets. Nice. But that was just one of those wild shows where, like, it was the end of winter getting super nice out people were tired of being stuck in their homes yeah. and had some of them knew us from previous bands and mm-hmm. other shows and we had some really good bands on the bill okay that also helped draw so i mean it was just kind of like all the stars aligning yeah. for that one show for sure yeah i think like you know our cd release show for mirrors was already sold out by the time it got canceled so it was like 350 uh, tickets sold, but obviously again, didn't happen. Um, you know, and then our first, our first show in Phoenix, uh, ended up just being a dud. It was just an absolute <laughs> dud. <laughs> Not even going to lie. It was, it was, it was rough. Um, we had like planned for this awesome lineup and we were like super stoked on it. And, uh last minute like both bands had to cancel and it was right after covid like right after the venues had reopened people were like still not really like super stoked i think on you know i don't know packing into a venue together yeah yeah yeah. Uh, there was probably like 50 people at the show it was like you know which is you know 50 people that hadn't seen us live so that was our first live show so it's still still a win and it got the you know it was our our live christening i guess you could say yeah i got the got the ball rolling exactly exactly i had to start somewhere there you didn't it's like yeah but played what you think yourselves oh so the only show we played we played one show since things started again um and that was at the golden bull in oakland which is kind of a well-known uh venue Uh for oakland but a really small room um which makes it nice because it's easy to get people in there um (laughs) We played with our, well, we were supposed to be playing with our buddies in Destroyer of Light, who are a doom band from, I believe, Austin. They're a okay. Texas band. Um, but they their van broke down the night before, so they weren't able to make the show. But we hadn't played a show in so long, we did really well. I mean, it was fairly, it was pretty packed. Yeah, yeah, so, that's all you want, like, yeah, a bit of atmosphere, yeah. yeah. But we don't do, we don't do a show every two weeks in Oakland mm-hmm. uh, or in the Bay Area. I mean, it's either we try to, you know, try and get a touring act that's a little bit bigger national act or something okay. like that. No, but, yeah. Or we'll do our own thing, but only maybe four, three or four times a year. Okay. Um, any, any more than that. And I, I feel like people get a little, you wear out your welcome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. You, all, you all agree with that? <laughs> There's a oh, certain yeah. amount of time you can play at home. You can't be there uh, like a Vegas scene every fucking night for three years. Like, you know, yeah. No, yeah. people get sick of you and they quit showing up. Yeah, yeah, that's the fear, isn't it? You gotta make them miss you. It's like uh, <laughs> Phoenix has almost like no post anything scene. 
Like okay. there's like, there's, uh, I mean, Holy Fawn is from Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You know, Ryan's a good buddy of mine, but like they're, that's Sorcy. literally. What that's about literally, are, you, are you friends with those guys? Who's that? Sorcy or Source, S-O-R-X-E. No, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not sure. They're, they're good dudes. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. That's good to know because it's just like trying to find bands to play with out here. It's like I've got a couple of yeah, a couple of bands that are like in kind of a post space, I guess you could say, but not a hundred percent that I like playing with. But there's just you know, it's weird throwing like it's just like a pop band or like indie band on with like a post rock band. It's just you know, kind of an odd space. So like when we when we ended up playing that show and the two bands that had you know originally planned to play with us dropped off i just you know the the booker was like well who do you guys want to play and i was like honestly at this point like i don't care just book whoever yeah, you know yeah and it was like the weirdest mashup of a show i had ever <laughs> seen in my life i was just like well, you know the people that weren't there to see us were like who the hell are these guys there's no, there's no lyrics like what is this <laughs> yep that, 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 that's an interesting one is it do you have to sort of stay within your within your genre when you're when you're trying to book events and venues like this like because i think like to a to an aspect like to a sense right like i feel like you know if you're like a heavier post band you can play with metal bands like yeah. you know if yeah. you're you know you know i don't know there's like there's a, there's a line, like there are bands that, you know, I think match well with the space, but like to put a, you know, to put us on with like, let's say it's like a goth rock band or something like that. It's just like so far left field, you know? <laughs> like Clayton, I suppose you'd be on the heavier side, I suppose, if you were to, you know, if you're to categorize and, and put you into a pigeonhole your sound in any way. But so the metal scene would be, an option for you. Am I right in saying that? I mean, any, any metal band would be happy to have you on board. Like when you hear your sound and your vocals. I'd like to think so. I mean, Oakland's got a really, um, have like a pretty big heavy music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the dirtier and grimier and, and least melodic, the better for okay. the Oakland scene okay. in general. So a lot of times we're, we'll, we'll play with, um, um, God, I don't want to name names, but we'll play with certain bands and, and people don't like us because we're too, we're too melodic and we're okay. too, uh, so we have to find that sweet spot. And I'm sure there are a lot, I think there are a lot of post. I mean, any big city or big town or area, I think is going to have like a, a wide variety of different genres and yeah. bands to, to play shows with. But um, we're also probably not the greatest at networking and things like that. So, as, as you've already mentioned, yeah, <laughs> yeah, have, have exactly. to do a bit of work with you, I think, yeah, exactly. The toughest part of being on tour, like I know, we all you all have full time jobs. I take it that's a be This is literally a hobby or a pastime or a love, whatever you want to call it. But what's the hardest part of being on tour for you? We we'll go from the topic. We we'll go with James there, so just having to eat up the the PTO at work and try to get six people to all get the same time off and then setting up a rental. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it <clears throat> and just getting everything to line up to where it works out. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a venue doesn't cancel or a band doesn't drop off or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts. 
But yeah, yeah. I think that, and then just okay in it with the family. <laughs> exactly. This is it. like people sort of, well, even, including myself, we, we don't see that side of it. Like, you know, we just think, fuck oh, these guys on tour. When are they going to come to my city? Like, when am I going to see them? But fuck, you're trying to get your ducks in a row to get out on the, on the road must be crazy. Like jobs, family, money, everything counts, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon, uh, Clayton? Are you the same? As, as... Yeah, same. Mountaineer hasn't been uh, historically a, a touring band, really. We, we, we've played very little um, okay. since our inception in 2015. Um, the band I was in before, the couple bands I was in before were big on touring. So right. Secrets of the Sky was a band that was on Metal Blade. And we had, yeah. um, we had resources and people to help us get on shows. And so we did a lot of touring. We spent a lot of time on the road. Um, the hardest thing to me was driving 10 hours to play for 10 people. Yeah. You know, in some, in some rural place. Um, but it's those good shows here and there that kind of make the whole thing worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, at the time, and it's been, it's been, it's been years since I've had that be like my, you know, like half my time or whatever mm -hmm. was spent mm -hmm. on the road. It's, it's been a while, but, um, at the time, I, I don't know, I made it work like yeah. financially and, and otherwise. And I think everyone was like gung ho about it and on board. And so, you know, that wasn't so much of an issue. Um, I like touring. It's just, I don't know, I'm getting old, <laughs> all the, all the guys and all the guys in the band are getting old and people are having kids and, you know, this is it. Like life, life gets in the way. Is it every, every yeah. day life just, just takes over. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, and it, it, it's fun. And I, I think we're going to, we're going to do some more. We're going to do some more. Um, we've got plans in the works, but, um, we want to be selective about it. And, yeah. When you have to, yeah. I suppose when it take, when it, it takes so much to get on the road, like what you have to plan. So you have to be selective, uh, yeah. don't you? You can't just take any fucking offer that comes your way. You have to be very, very selective. I think so. Mm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the way I would look at it these days is almost like vacation. Like, yeah. cause you are taking, like, like James mentioned, you're taking your PTO. Like, I don't know. We were all talking about it. Like let's do Europe. Even if nobody like comes, it'll still <laughs> be like an awesome vacation and we're going to spend money to be out there anyways. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to like be out and do Europe and like, you know, make it a vacation, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Vacation with a lot of baggage. That's what it is. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 You won't be flying Ryanair or anything like that. <laughs> with all those baggage. What about you, Thomas? Yeah. What's your view on it all? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I I work remote, so I can pretty much work from anywhere, so I can work from on the road if I need to, um, as long as somebody else is driving, you know? Um, but, uh, and actually, most of, most of the band does work remote. Um, our drummer is, you know, the one that just had the baby is currently... Uh, you know, the stay at home dad. So that makes it a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, just overall, like, I mean, financially it's a bit, it's, it's, it's it costs a lot of money, you know, and yeah. if you gotta, you gotta hope you're making money on the road, you know, both guarantees from venues and stuff and making money on merch and stuff. And, uh, just hope that it all evens out in the end and you don't have to come too much out of pocket. You know, it's, it's, it's stressful for sure. Yeah. Um, also just, it's funny cause I look at it a little bit differently now, but like back in the day when I used to tour, like we were just sleeping in the van every night, <laughs> just like there'd be, there, there were tours I went on where it was, it would, it would be two bands sharing a van to save money. 
and there would be 11 dudes sleeping in a 15 seater, you know, like Econo <laughs> van, just like, just huddled up next to each other. And it was just miserable, just yeah. absolutely miserable. But, you know, and it's one of those things, like I'm getting older, I don't want to do that anymore. So then you're looking at extra costs on the road too, you know, it's difficult. It is difficult. And I suppose you, you you touched on Europe there, lads. I mean, it's it's probably hard enough to do it within the US. I'm assuming you all would love to go to Europe and tour. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you find a, a big difference between Europe and the US? With Money regards, wise, with, with regards to the genre of music that we're in, even. Oh, they have great bands over there. Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of my favorites right now are from over there. So. Okay. Yeah. I feel personally that like the US is in the post scene, like the U S is very young compared to Europe. Okay. If you like, um, I don't know. It's just, I feel like even you see it with bands that play here in the States and then go to Europe and play shows in Europe. And it's like much larger crowds, bigger venues, you know, there's just, there's more of a demand for it in Europe, I think currently. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, Honestly, like I would, I would go to Europe in a heartbeat. I would just, I wouldn't even care about the money. It would just be yeah. like, let's, let's go, let's go. Just for the experience and just to, to see what it's like. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, with I think even, you know, just with still motions, I think there's more of a demand for still motions in Europe than there is in the states. Yeah. Just you know, we sold probably seventy percent of our vinyl. You know in in europe versus the states here right. so night, night and day night and day yeah would you think the same is europe the place to be in the post scene at the moment whether it be post metal or post rock it doesn't matter is that is that where yeah you want we get to the, be playing live that's where we get the majority of our messages from like mm-hmm. via instagram or whatever you know come to poland come to italy come yeah. to you know you name it over there mm. What about you, Clayton? Your 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 vinyl sales. Do you know where they go or where they're coming from? Us? We don't have. <laughs> so we had Clayton's vinyl. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're on a German label. Life Force okay. is a German label, yeah. and so our a vinyl ship out of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think folks in the U.S. are buying them, but I I think it's prohibitive uh, to a certain extent in terms of shipping costs. Uh, for yeah, them. yeah, yeah. So I, I do believe most of it's going to to folks in Europe. Okay. And and I think his distribution network is mostly European. Yeah. Um, and same with his PR and, and everything is, is really Eurocentric. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I've never played outside of the U S so I, I don't, I can't compare. Um, even but with, I, even I with previous bands, Kate, no? what's that? Even with your previous bands, you haven't played. outside. Yeah, never, okay. Ne- I've never played in Europe or outside of the U S right. so but but I hear it's I hear it's just more hospitable to touring yeah. bands. The 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 venues and and show promoters over there like really take care of people and, and mm-hmm. feed them and and a lot of times like have um have like a, a sleeping quarters or something associated exactly. with the venue. Exactly. Touring yeah. bands can stay in the U.S. It's not you know it's not quite like that. Mm-hmm. So no, I mean it, at our level anyway. Yeah, I guess so. You. I think it'd be fun. Since you don't do vinyl, James, the likes of Bandcamp and stuff, can you can you yep. see where the your your sales are coming from? And yeah, a lot of it's from Europe. Okay, we've even had you know physical. We have physical copies of the album, just not vinyl. They're just CDs. But yeah, we've shipped. We're almost sold out of them. I think so. I'm to do a repress, predominantly European, which is a, which is a good thing. 
It is a good thing. It's a good sign. But yeah, there's a there's a lot coming from Bandcamp over yeah. there. Yeah. Set up post. What's that telling us? Get up post recordings. What yeah. about vinyl? Yeah. All right. I'll go. give him a shout. I'll give him a shout. Yeah. Guys, I want to get on to the three questions that I, I put to you there a few days ago to wrap up the show there. I know you all had a quick look at the questions over the last few days, so I'm going to be very, very interested in hearing what the answers are. We'll start with James, seeing as you were first to log on, James. First question to uh, if you could walk in into a recording studio and do a cover version of any song, what would it be? I think I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path on this one and go a little little more folky. Okay. Uh, If I do, I'm going to go ahead and record If I Go, I'm Going by Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Okay, you have me there, and I don't know who that is. That's good. Check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'll I'll send you a link. Send me the link. That's a good one. You know what, Thomas, yeah? Yeah. Okay, okay. But um, as you're talking, so Thomas yourself, if you're to go in the recording studio and do a cover version of any song, any genre, any time. I don't know. It's that's a tough one. I feel like um and even like at the beginning of the pandemic when I lost my job and just had so much free time, I was just like picking songs out, you know, just like doing whatever, just to like try and do like post versions of them, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um and I just, I kind of like the challenge of like taking just super random stuff and trying yeah. to make it my own. Um, God, I have no idea. <laughs> um, You've no idea. And I gave it three days notice on this yeah, question. Did I? I, I think it would be hilarious to do a, do Africa by Toto, just like a post version of yeah, Africa. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be yes. hilarious. And a challenge too. It's a challenge, exactly. It's a challenge. I'm gonna stick with that answer. (laughs) That'll do. That'll do nicely. That'll do nicely. Clayton, talk to me. What what would you reckon yourself? For years, I've been trying to get my guys to do New Year's Day by U2. Nice. Yeah, I just think that would translate really well. They're not. I don't know that they're opposed to it um, necessarily. We just we just never work on. We've just never worked on it. Um, it's a great track. Yeah. It's a great track. That's back, back yeah. the, re- the real U2 days, yeah, when they were half decent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dare I say that being an Irish man, but I just did. There you go. <laughs> the second question, that's if you could experience playing live on stage with any band, again, past or present, who would it be? Who wants to go first and who has an answer already lined up for me? James, shoot, man. Shoot. Cult, Cult of Luna. Hands down. I thought you were going to say Coldplay for a minute. I no, Cult, Cult of Luna. Johannes, of if Luna. you're listening, call me. Give me a show. <laughs> yeah, send me a message. And to experience any song in particular, James, be on stage playing any song, does it matter? Is there any one, one, one any of my one, songs or? A Cult of Luna song, if you could. Oh, Three Bridges. Okay. Okay. I love that song because it encapsulates like everything they do well in yeah. one song. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, Thomas? I would say, I, I mean, I'm pretty jealous of James right now. Um, <laughs> you know, after just playing with Caspian, I would say Caspian would be like, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Like they're a big inspiration of mine, but I think just like being in a room with them and on stage, like the same, I feel like it would just be a whole nother experience. Yeah. All another experience. So that would be, that would probably be my go-to. Very nice. 
And Clayton, wrap it up for me. What would you think if you could go on stage? Oh, I'd have to pick one of like my childhood yeah. favorites. Or so like just like a legendary band. Like, I don't know. I'd say like Zeppelin or something like that. But I think honestly it'd be like Credence. Yeah. And like if I could sing like uh Born on the Bayou or something like that. Nice. Even yeah. though I would I would butcher it. I would it'd be horrible. No, you, like, I think you'd call that making it your own. That's what you'd call it, not butchering it. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant, lads. Thanks for those. What about, just give me a name of a band to look out for this year, lads. Anyone that you've been listening to that you think deserves a shout out? Any album or any band, James? Keep an eye out for two Nebraska bands. One, you might already know, they're called Minor Movements. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nick and them, they're amazing. They're working on new stuff right now. And then uh, Fontenelle, the band that we just went on that little run with. They're amazing. They got a bunch of songs playing. Like, I think they're just going to do a bunch of single releases over the course of the summer and fall. Okay. So, yeah, check them out. Brilliant. We'll do, James. We'll do. Thomas, what do you reckon? Any band or album that you've yeah. stuck into this year? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A um, couple of couple of Phoenix bands, actually, that I've been um, really enjoying and have been trying to set up shows with for a little bit now. One of them is uh, they're a band called Foreign Bodies. Yeah. Uh, really really cool stuff it's it's posty it's ambient but it's got vocals on it um mm. but just phenomenal band killer vocalist just yeah. great music uh the other one is actually uh a friend of mine who um actually has recorded he's been the engineer on all of the still motion stuff um but his name's Corey spots he's in a uh just kind of finally launched his project called civilia okay um, very much like post post metal with vocals, um, but just ridiculous stuff. It is so good. And is, so is that on Bandcamp, Thomas? Is it? Um, you know, that's a great question. I know it's on Spotify. Hmm. Um, let me check. Let me well, let me just pull it up and check real quick. Yeah. What about yourself, Clayton? Have you any album that you've been overplaying this year already, or any band that you're looking forward to hearing something new from? Um, I, I think people should know about, so the, the dudes that play in Mountaineer uh, are, most of them run other projects as well. Mm-hmm. So Dogma, we talked about them. Yeah. Forrest and Isaac are in that band as well. I think people would, if people like Mountaineer, they'd probably like that band as well, or any of the bands that are on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jordan, our drummer, uh, is in a band called Mount Desert. Okay. They're just a two-piece. It's probably more stonery sludgy type stuff but really good a lot of atmosphere um and then uh my buddies i'm actually wearing their shirt lament cityscape okay from oakland uh who i've been friends with the sort of the mastermind guy the guy behind lament cityscape for years and he's played he played bass in mountaineer for a while and uh played drums he played gets i think he's been through every (laughs) instrument in mountaineer um just filling in and and whatnot and uh he he recently signed or lament cityscape recently signed a life force the same record label that we're on and just dropped a record uh not that long ago so more industrial a little bit heavier industrial type of stuff but he's worth it he's worth a shout out mike mcclatchy and uh yeah great stuff that's brilliant brilliant civilia is on Bandcamp. great stuff there's plenty of music there lads from 
from yourselves there. I know you've listed a, a lot of music there, new music for me anyway, definitely for me, new stuff. What can I say, guys? I just want to make a big shout out and a big thank you to all three of you for coming on to the show. I know it's it's a big deal for you to fucking shuffle your days and everything else like that to come on the show, so I really appreciate it. For me, it's an honor, like, because I have followed your music from the start, all three bands. You're all in different stages at the moment, like, but everything you've released is, is top notch, you know? I'm constantly pushing it to friends, I'm constantly pushing your albums. So I just wish you all the best in the future uh, with your tours and your recordings and whatever else is on the on the horizon. Awesome. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. Thank you for that. Not, not a bother at all, guys. James, Clayton, and Thomas, thanks a million, guys, and uh, I hope to catch up with you again another time. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Pat. Cheers, guys. That's it, guys. That's another episode of the Smashing Skull Sessions wrapped up. Uh, thanks to Richie, who will always edit and produce the show. And I'll see you all in a couple of weeks' time. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.